Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 6, and I want to start at verse number 16. These are the words of Jesus, red letter. Here's what he says. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. But assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Father, we thank you so much for the Word of God. We thank you that years and years and years ago you breathed on holy men of old to be inspired to write this Word for us today. Lord, I pray that we would take it to heart, that Lord, even if this passage, that we've read it a thousand times, I'm praying that you would make it fresh bread for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. For those of you here, those who are watching online, God bless you. We're glad you're here this morning. And uh, I'm excited to be with you today as I am every single week because I love the opportunity just to be able to spend time with our church family and to, to teach the Word of God and to pray with people and uh, absolutely just love it. But today I'm excited because I love this series that I'm talking about this morning. I started last week a brand new teaching series entitled Holy Habits. And last week I challenged everybody to have some form of systematic Bible study in your life to actually read the Word of God. Amen? I don't want to go back and, and rehash every single one of those points, but one of the things that I said is that when we read the Word of God, the Word of God also reads us. It, it reveals our condition to us. It's like looking into a mirror, Paul said. And so it's important that the Word of God, Paul told Timothy also that it's available, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's available from, and, and good for doctrine and for reproof and for rebuke and the instruction in righteousness. And so you and I need to read the Word of God. And so I've challenged you. I've met with several people this week. I've talked to people in the foyer. I've, I've, I've talked through text, people that have been asking me questions about how to start, where to start, what to do, how to do and it just absolutely thrills my soul. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you, if you haven't started in a, 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 an approach to read the Bible this year, um, you've got today to start over. Amen. Today is uh, January the 8th, but in your mind, we can count it as the 2nd January 1st. All right? So just start somewhere today. And I encourage people to be systematic about it. What does systematic mean? It means just have some parameters some guidelines some consistency some routine because you'll never start january wishing that you read the bible all the way through in a year without having some type of plan you'll get to december and you'll say man i wish i would have did that but everything else got in the way you've got to make time for those things that are valuable and important to you so i've been encouraging um, you to do that but today i want to go a little bit different on a different journey um, today we have set aside 21 days uh, to fast and to pray for revival, to get close to God, to pray for our lost loved ones. In fact, tomorrow night and for the next three Monday nights at 6.30 on Mondays, me along with others will be right here in the sanctuary praying together uh, if you want to come and join us. And so that will be available to you on the next three Mondays. But we set aside a time to be able to, to just pray 
and seek the heart of God. I personally believe that fasting is the forgotten lost art of the church. I believe that a lot of the missing power, I believe that a lot of the missing things that we see today, that we see in the book of Acts that perhaps are missing today from the church, is a great big result of a lack of fasting. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the nuts and bolts and how-tos of fasting. So today, the title of this message is uh, Unlocking the Power of Fasting. Unlocking the Power of Fasting. I want to ask you a question before we go any further today. How many of you have ever craved something so bad as it relates to a meal? I mean, you know the exact menu that you want. Come on, anybody? And there's nothing wrong with that. Come on, this is not a trick question. Have you ever craved that particular meal? Now, I'll tell you personally, me, when I lived in Louisiana, I love seafood. I'm a sucker for a good Cajun seafood boil. And, and you, you know, they just don't have that kind of stuff around here, at least not, you know, consistently or, or even fresh. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced you can't get fresh seafood in the middle of Oklahoma. Anybody agree with that? Amen. So uh, anyway, anything, everything's always a little bit suspicious. But, but anyway, thinking about that, there have been times where I have made an excuse to go to Oklahoma City just to eat somewhere like that. Hunger. Hunger. Oh, don't make that face. You know, you've been in Oklahoma City before doing something, and there's a restaurant you wanted to eat, and it wasn't anywhere close to you, and you knew you had to get on this interstate, you had to drive over here, but you did it. Why? Because hunger. You wanted that steak. You wanted that piece of pie. Come on. You wanted something of that nature. Come on. You didn't want the buffet. You wanted P.F. Chang's. Come on. You wanted something that your appetite was driving you to. And, and, and appetites drive us based on this one fact, hunger. Everybody say hunger. An appetite is an indicator of hunger. And, and when we're hungry for something, it, it will drive us to do crazy things. Let me be honest with you, not only have I been willing to go great distance for a great meal from time to time, I have to be honest with you, I, I have been willing to drop some good money on a good meal. From time to time. Come on, does anybody understand what I'm saying? Not every day, but when there's something, you know, you splurge a little bit and you just go and you get that big meal because that's what it means to be hungry. To be hungry, to inconvenience yourself uh, financially, to, to in inconvenience yourself with time, and you're just driven by this innate passion to do something. Here's my question for you. When's the last time you've been that hungry for God? When's the last time that you have been so hungry for God that your appetite for Him has driven you to do something extraordinary? 
uh, this morning, I want to talk to you about the secret lost art of fasting because when you read the book of Acts and you go back into the dateless past, even in the Old Testament, when you look at church history at the beginnings of every great revival, whether or not it be the Welsh revival or the, the Appalachian Mountain revival, the Azusa Street revival, even back in the Great Awakenings, every great move of God and significant spiritual moment in history was marked by fasting and prayer. Every single one of them see everybody says we want a move of God we want God to move we want God to break in and we, we want him to to do signs and wonders and miracles we we want him to 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 do supernatural unexplainable things to to save the vilest of sinners and 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 things of that nature but what we don't understand is that when we're talking about God we we want you to move as I said last week, God oftentimes wants to move through us. And it was the apostles of the early church who were seeing the sick healed on a regular basis and the disciples were commissioned to go out and pray for the sick and they, you see them seeing people saved and set free and demons excised from people and all of those things. But there is one common denominator, not, not just one, but there is one that's common. It seems to me when you look at the life of the early church, they lived a life of prayer and fasting. It seemed to be something that was bedmarked into their culture. And so today, as we're getting ready to jump into these 21 days of, of set-aside time to fast and pray, I want us to look at the nuts, the bolts, how to fast, how to pray, and how to deal with these things. In the background of our passage, we're going to be here for a couple of weeks. But Jesus, very important for us to look at who he's talking to. Jesus is talking in uh, Matthew chapter 6 to his disciples. This is on the back of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and Jesus is talking to his disciples. Everybody say disciples. Okay, great. Now, everybody talks about, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. You, you, I want you to know, that term in the first century church, Christian, was actually derogatory. The Bible said they weren't first called Christians until Antioch. They weren't referred to in that way, which Christian means Christ-like, but they were really known as disciples. Disciples and the disciples of the Lord. The scripture never says, and the Christians of the Lord. It says, the disciples of our Lord. And so, they were, they were disciples, and the root word of, of disciple is what? Discipline. Discipline. So, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He just got done in Matthew 5, telling them to love their enemies and, and to pray with those who despitefully use them. And Jesus is, is talking about... Um, uh, committing adultery in the heart and, and murder begins in the heart and he, he's telling them if somebody uh, takes advantage of you go the second mile with them he's giving them all of these deep truths and then in Matthew chapter 6 he kind of begins to follow up with some very important discipleship matters Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 Jesus deals with uh, doing charitable deeds 
Um, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus begins to talk about prayer and how to pray. And then in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 16, where we start out today, Jesus begins to talk to the disciples about fasting. And I would like to read these couple of verses with you again. Matthew 6 and 16. Notice what Jesus said. I want us to read this slowly. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. But assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to be fasting. But to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret, will reward openly. There are a couple of things out of that passage that I want to bring out to you, but I asked you the question this, just a few minutes ago, how many of you are a disciple? And everybody said, yes. Are you a disciple? I'm, I'm endeavoring my life to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. What that means is that, yes, Jesus is my Savior, but He's also my Lord. Amen? And Lordship looks like this. I do what you say to do. I go where you say go. I say what you say to say. That's what lordship looks like. Amen? That's what it looks like. And, and there's a reason why so many people are falling short in their Christian walk. Because they're making Jesus the, the quote-unquote Lord of certain parts of their life, but not all of their life. And Jesus wants all of us. He gave us all of Him. And so He asks of us to give all of ourselves. Amen? We are soldiers in the army of the Lord. And when you get into the army, even in the natural, they take you through the boot camp process and they work you out and they get you in shape. And the reason why they do that is they're teaching you disciplines that help you endure the battleground. Amen? Because listen, if you just take some out of shape, can't run person and throw them in the military without uh, proper disciplinary training, they're going to be shot on the very first day of battle. But Christ wants us to, to, to be disciples of His. Jesus said, if any man desire to be my disciple, he must pick up his cross and follow me. You've got to pick it up and walk. That cross that Jesus was crucified on symbolizes crucifixion. Ultimately, crucifixion of the flesh. Jesus was telling His disciples, if you're going to follow Me, you're going to have to live a laid-down life. In other words, as a disciple of Christ, my life is no longer the most important in my life. We live for Christ. We live for others. And in this journey of serving God, we realize that as a disciple, He's asked us to do some things. Now, now that you've uh, told me this morning that you identify as a disciple and that we've identified that Matthew 6 is indeed talking to disciples, then let's see what Jesus said to the disciples one more time. Moreover, look at this, when you fast. Notice He didn't say if. Moreover, if you fast, this is how you should do it. 
That's not what Jesus said. Moreover, when you fast, he said not to do that. And uh, go a little bit further. Look at verse number 17. But you, when you fast, this is how I want you to do it. It, it beckons to me this morning that the word of God through the, the mouth of our Messiah, Jesus is showing us an inference in the scripture today that he expects his believers to fast. But notice that he said when, not if, but when kind of leaves it open. In other words, if you read the rest of this passage, what it shows us is that fasting is a rather private discipline. Supposed to be between a person and God. Now, there are times in the Bible where they call corporate fast, and even in corporate fast, yes, I know and everybody else knows when we leave this room this morning, if you belong to our church, we're, we're, on, a, we're on a corporate fast, okay? But listen, that, that means even though the church is on a fast, you still should be private with it. Now, not everybody's going to start today. So if you go to a restaurant after church and you see somebody, don't crucify them. This is a spirit-led fast. Okay? But Jesus makes it plain that one of the importances of fasting is what you do in the secret place. And so, this morning, I want to, to look at a couple of things this morning, just in very a teaching mode, some questions that I think will help us out. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Here we go. Here's the first question we're going to answer. Number one, what is biblical fasting? What is biblical fasting? First of all, here's what I want you to know. In the Bible, both Old and New Testament, the word fast literally means to cover the mouth. The implication is to not eat for a season. That is the biblical definition of a fast. Now, I want to I say this this morning, that no more do we have the authority scripturally wise to change the definition of marriage. We don't have the biblical authority to change the definition of fasting. I believe part of the reason why there's not more miracles, there's not more signs, there's not more salvations, there's not more revival, is because America, along with changing the definition of fasting or, or marriage, we've also changed the definition of fasting. Let me tell you something. In every other country of the world, Mexico, uh, Iran, where there's underground Christians, China, Pakistan, the Philippines, Africa, and every other place where there are people that are not in a Western world, their definition of fasting is to not eat. It's the truth. It's the truth. Biblical fasting is to abstain from food for a season, and there are various reasons for this. We're going to look at this in just a moment. But what we know is that biblical fasting always, everybody say always, it always includes prayer. It always includes prayer. Here's another thing I want you to know about biblical fasting. Fasting is almost always private, even when it's a corporate fast. 
Now, I want to help you this morning because, as I mentioned, in the Bible, fasting is going without food. Now, there are a lot of people, I was one of them. I actually had to publicly repent some years ago because I taught something that was unbiblical. And uh, at the risk of hopefully not offending somebody this morning, I want you to know I'm responsible for what I teach from the Word of God. I don't see a Daniel fast in Scripture. People say, what about Daniel? No, Daniel was on a restrictive diet. The Bible doesn't say in any reputable Bible translation that Daniel fasted for 21 days. It does say he prayed, but he ate. He restrained himself from the fancier things of the king's palace and things of that nature that that would be associated with a lavish lifestyle or compromise, and he chose to eat something different. But I need you to hear me. He wasn't going hungry. People in America today, they say, well, church is going on 21 fast, 21 day fast. I'm going to fast my, my social media account. Well, you know, that's probably not a bad thing to do. But you can live without that anyway. Going without food has a specific purpose. And I'm going to share that in the next few moments. So listen, I'm all for restricting things. If you need to cut out TV for a season, if you need to cut out Facebook or or Twitter, if you need to, to cut out something extra that you're doing that is stealing time, that is great. I would never discount that. I would never tell you not to do that. But folks, let me tell you something. That is not biblical fasting. And if you tried to tell that to a, a first century Christian or a Christian in a, in a persecuted nation, they would laugh at you. Because it's not the truth. I know millions of dollars have been used for marketing. I know people have sold books and journals, and I've bought a few of them. And listen, I'm not saying it's not bad to do. Listen, it's good to cleanse your body from all the junk and the processed food. Listen, I think you should do it anyway. But biblical fasting is to abstain from food for a season. You say, Pastor, I'm diabetic. I can't do that. Well, you're in luck because this is not a heaven or hell issue. God doesn't even tell us how often to do it. He just says, do it. If your body can't handle that, you you need to speak with your doctor. God knows your heart. There's no condemnation in this. But what I'm trying to tell you is that to get biblical results, you have to do things the biblical way. So biblical fasting is to exclude yourself. Here's number two. What is the purpose of fasting? First of all, I think it would bid us some wisdom to look at what fasting is not. Fasting is not twisting God's arm. Some people say, well, if I can just fast for seven days, God will have to answer my prayer. Listen, it don't work like that. 
God recognizes fasting. He definitely honors fasting, but that's not the, that's not the purpose of a fast. Uh, here's another thing. A fast is not for punishing yourself. God has not called us to go on a hunger strike. Here's what you need to know. Fasting is a spiritual tool that helps us to crucify our flesh while at the same time nurturing our spirit. Here's what you need to know. Man was made in the image of God. Spirit, soul, body. Man is tripart being. We have this flesh. If you've ever been to a funeral, you understand this flesh is what we put in the casket or some people into a crematory. This is the part that's disposed. It goes back to earth, ash, dust, whatever. And this, this part does not live forever. Okay? This body is not eternal. Not eternal. We have a spirit. We are a spirit, rather. That's the part of us that's born again. When any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things become new. But we have a soul as well. And our soul is our mind. It's our will. It's our faculty. It's our emotion. And, and the spirit man is saved, but, but we're told to renew our mind by the word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Be not conformed to the image of this world, but be therefore con, uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, because your, your spirit can be saved, but your mind can still think crazy things. And you have to constantly program it with the word of God. Okay? Then we have this flesh. This stuff is bad. Now, in the Old Testament, when a person was to be right with God, God required a sacrifice. They would take the bull, they'd take the goat, they, whatever. They would take it to, to, um, to the priest or whatever. They would build an altar and they would sacrifice that animal. I mean, he would be D-E-A-D, dead. Blood slung everywhere. That animal in the Old Testament for a season was the sacrificial animal system that God used to justify humanity for a season. But in the New Testament, when Jesus came, he kind of changed everything up a little bit, flipped it up on the side of his head. Here's what Jesus said now. He said, now we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. Okay? Reasonable service. What that means to me is that our spirit, that's the part of us that's saved, right? But our flesh, we constantly have to keep working on that. Amen. You may not, but I do. The flesh, Paul said, I die daily. He said, I beat my body into subjection, lest that when I've preached to others, I myself become a castaway. Paul's Paul saying, I get up in the morning, my spirit knows what to do, but my flesh don't always want to do it. The flesh wants to sleep in. The flesh wants to watch TV all day. The flesh wants to listen to gossip. 
The flesh wants to eat and eat and eat and eat. The flesh and the spirit nature are contrary to each other. And so the Bible constantly tells us about the war between the flesh and the spirit. And the reason why I'm telling you that this morning is that fasting is a Christian discipline that helps us keep that part of our nature in check. Essentially, fasting is a tool that we use to crucify our flesh at the same time to nourish our spirit man. So listen. You wake up in the morning. Your flesh says, I want this to eat. I want that to eat. I want to do this. I want to say this. I want to do all these things. And if we're not careful, what happens is is that our, our flesh has more control than our spiritual man. And all of a sudden, you start falling out of fellowship with God. You don't read the Bible like you used to. You're not, you're not reading. You're not coming to church as often. I read a great quote this week. It said, some Christians are like spark plugs. They start missing long before they quit. Fasting is purposely denying yourself it's saying i'm not going to eat and i'm going to replace this time just for a season because you got to have food god created you that way food is not the enemy it can be but it's not there's several reasons in scripture that i want to show you that people fasted okay here's one in nehemiah chapter 9 verse 1 through 3 you don't have to turn there but in nehemiah chapter 1 uh, what we see is there is a time that Israel is uh, weeping in sackcloth and ashes over the condition of sin in the nation. There comes a time in our lives, whether personally or for our country, that we're so grieved over personal sin maybe we've sinned against somebody maybe maybe we're grieved at the abortion in our nation maybe we're aggrieved by something that the people of God in this particular instance they assemble themselves with sackcloth and ashes and they fasted before the Lord sometimes mourning over sin is a great reason to fast here's another one I don't have the scripture reference for this but they're there uh, actually with David uh, another reason people fast in the Bible we find it is mourning over death of a loved one anybody ever known somebody or maybe it's been you I don't want to say too much and bring up a bunch of emotions but you know if you lost somebody close to you mom dad son daughter spouse whatever oftentimes that person goes through a season of mourning this is not even voluntary they just don't think to eat because fasting is a response to grief. Here, here's another one. In Luke chapter 2, verse 37, people fasted to humble themselves. It says, For this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Talking about when, when, right before G, when Jesus was born, Christmas story, she was, uh, Anna was in the temple. And so, humbling herself before God. Here's another one, Isaiah 58, verse 6 through 9. This is powerful. For is this not the fast I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to be, uh, 
to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Look at verse 7. He says here, uh, is it not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Uh, and he says that your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Sometimes we fast to be loosened from spiritual strongholds and even, listen to this, from sickness. Do you know every medical doctor will tell you that some measure of fasting is healthy for the human body? That the human body is not meant to eat and eat and eat and digest 24-7 all the time? We pick up so much disease, so much toxin. I'm not here this morning. I'm not qualified to be a nurse, a doctor, or anything in between. I'm just telling you what I know. And again, Wednesday night, like I said, Scripture and science are not counterpart with each other they complement here's the thing when you find a dog that's sick they don't eat it's in nature if you're struggling with pornography if you're struggling with tobacco if you're struggling with alcohol if you're struggling with cursing if you're if you've got something that is binding you up listen there's no better way to kill your flesh than to purposely go on a fast And spend that time praying and interceding to God. Here's another one. Joel chapter 2 verse 12. This was when Israel was seeking God for an outpouring of His Spirit. We can seek God for personal and corporate revival. Notice this. Oh now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. When we fast, we're supposed to to be seeking after God for those purposes. This morning, I want you to see that God wants to break through in your life in a way, perhaps, that you never have before. Listen, all of us know what it's like to have the flesh scream at us. I'm not just talking about your actual tissue, your flesh and your bone. Uh, For the most people, normal body is working. You take a sledgehammer or even just a regular hammer and you hit yourself on the foot or in the hand. Your body is going to say, ouch. Your body says, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Your body says, I'm sleepy. Your body says, uh... Uh, I want to do this. I want to do that. Gluttony. Problem from uncontrolled flesh. Sexual sin. Problem from uncontrolled flesh. So many different things that we could talk about. Uh, uh, Waste of time. Laziness. Why? Uncontrolled flesh. So many times the flesh can be so loud in our lives that it screams over the very spiritual man and our spirit on the inside of us. One of the ways you can learn to hear God's voice more clearly in your life, which by the way, when Israel was ever in a decision, a big decision, they would go before the Lord in fasting and prayer. In fact, there were so many examples that I didn't give, but in the book of Acts, when, when Paul and, and uh 
and uh, Barnabas were getting ready to be sent out, the prophets and teachers in Antioch, the Bible says they were ministering before the Lord and they were fasting and they were praying about the condition of the church. And the Bible said in the middle of their fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit spoke out and he said, separate Saul and Barnabas for the work until I've called them. If you want to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly in your life, which by the way, your human spirit, when it is born again, you've been saved. It has by nature, by the born again experience, been tuned to the frequency of heaven. God would never say those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God unless He wanted to lead you. John chapter 10, he said, my sheep know my voice. It's not always a boom from heaven. There are times where that happened in Scripture, where God spoke in an audible voice. But it's not always that way. Sometimes it's through a quickening, a rhema of words. Sometimes it's just an inner witness. It's a knowing on the inside of us. But, but beyond that, it's hard to hear God sometimes when everything else is screaming louder. So if you're wanting to hear from God about something, it's not twisting His arm. God's already trying to speak to you. He's already trying to bless you. But fasting simply kills or crucifies the voice of the flesh and tells it to be quiet. Do you know, some people say, I don't think I can... I'm talking about healthy people now. People say, Pastor, I don't think I can go without food. I'd have such an appetite. Ask anybody who's ever fasted longer than three days, your hunger leaves after day three. It does. Leaves. Minimizes. Minimizes. I watched a documentary last night of a man who did a 55-day fast. Did it, did it complete water. Not advocating you do that. He prayed about it and it was a medical thing for him as well. He was actually a spirit-filled Christian, but he was morbidly obese and he needed to get control of his weight. And so he actually uh, did 55 days. He didn't die. He lost 57 pounds, but he didn't die. Fasting crucifies our flesh. Here's number three. How often should we fast? Again, Scripture doesn't give us a legalistic, ritualistic time frame no more than it tells you you need to pray an hour a day. The Bible just says always pray, pray in the Spirit. He tells you what we need to pray, but He doesn't say how long. We have patterns. Jesus prayed in the morning. He prayed in the evening. He prayed in the middle of the day. We have patterns, but the Scripture doesn't tell us. All we have, the best that we can get, is from Matthew chapter 6, when you fast and when you fast. Those two things, when you fast and when you fast. So, really, that's between you and God. But what I'm encouraging you to do, just as I encouraged you last week, that if you haven't read the Bible all the way through ever as a Christian, just start. Just start. That's what I'm asking you to do. If somebody in this room over the next 21 days fasts, at least attempts to fast, one day, I'll be happy. 
Because fasting is a great Christian discipline. Now, I'm going to give you an insight. Can I give you an insight? All right. I was going to give you one anyway, but since you asked. All right. Most people fail at their first time fasting ever because they think like an American. This is going to revolutionize this for some of you. Okay? It's Monday. So in our mind, we say, I'm going to fast on Tuesday. I'm not eating on Tuesday. So what we do, we eat a whole bunch on Monday, eat a last dinner till about 6 p.m., and then we go to bed on a full stomach. Anybody tell you going to bed on a full stomach? I don't know about you. It makes me more hungry when I wake up because um, your body's digesting while you're asleep. It's not good for you, and you're kind of hungry from doing work while you're sleeping. But, uh, but anyway, most people do that. They go to bed, you know, or, or Monday evening, eat their last meal, and then, you know, they na you naturally fast all night. You know that, right? That's why the first meal of the day is called break fast. Your body goes down to normal, your respiratory rate, your heart rate, your blood pressure, everything goes down to bare bones function while your body rests, heals. When you wake up, the first meal that you eat in the morning kickstarts your metabolism, your blood sugar for the day. That's why it's called break fast breakfast. So get this, most people, last meal on, on Monday, right? And then they're, they're, they're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast until Wednesday. I'm not going to eat. And so they don't eat all day on Tuesday, and then they have all night, Tuesday night, and then on Wednesday morning, if they make it that far, they eat. Did you know that's actually closer to a 38-hour fast? Let me give you some wisdom. When God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that when God was creating everything, the firmament above, the firmament beneath, all that stuff, it says that when God said, let there be light, you know, he established the stars, the moon, the sun. It says that he had the sun, which is the greater light, and the moon, which is the lesser light, to separate the evening from the day. And then he says, and the evening and the morning is the first day. So in a Jewish person's mind, which is who Jesus would have been writing to, not Western Christians. Columbus had not found the Americas yet. A Jewish person's day starts at sundown. So Tuesday for a Jew starts Monday evening for us. From sundown to sundown is one day. So listen, if you're going to start fasting for the first time, I would encourage you to do it like they do it. And I would go throughout a day, eat your breakfast, lunch, and then maybe even an early dinner if you feel like you need to, whatever, because the point of fasting is to spend time in prayer. Then after your meal, spend the evening praying. Then you're sleeping, right? Then you have all day the next day your breakfast, your lunch, pray throughout the day, then you partake of your meal the next day. That's a 24-hour fast. That's a biblical fast. That's a one-day fast. Think about it like that. Sounds a little bit easier, doesn't it? So some of you, I would encourage you, start like that. 
Some of you, you're scared to death of what I'm saying. So how about you just start out skipping lunch a few days this week and say, Lord, I want you more than food. I want you in my family more than I want that cheeseburger. I want your presence. And listen, when you do that, you do it in private. Let me just tell you something. Jesus' rebuke here in Matthew chapter 6 was for the appearance of self-righteousness. The Pharisees always did things to be seen and to be noticed. That's why Jesus said, when you do it, do it in private. Wash your face. Don't be looking funky when you leave the house. Don't be looking sad. Listen, Israel had seven feasts throughout the entirety of the year. I promise you, Jesus or the disciples didn't decide to fast on those days. Why? Everybody would have known where they were. Where are they at? They're fasting. It's not what you do. When you fast, you are so careful not to draw attention to yourself. So what that means is, when you fast, you do it, well, obviously you do it when the Lord tells you, but you do it at inconspicuous times. If you're going to fast your lunch break, it might be better to tell everybody, listen, I can't go to the restaurant and hang out with you. Uh, I'm going to run some, a few errands. And listen, praying through your lunch is not an errand. You're running an errand for heaven. Amen. There's a big difference between deception and discretion. It is okay to be discreet. It is not okay to deceive. It's a big difference. And so, you've you got to understand to, to do that because here's what God says. When you do this in secret, you unlock my power. And my power will be on display for you openly in your life. But equally, he said, if you scrunch up your face and you tell everybody... See, this is number one why I'm... And I'm getting ready to close, Darren. If you want to come, come save the people. Amen. Um, one of the big reasons why I'm not like a super big proponent of the Daniel fast is because social media is filled with like, for like 90 days of... Because people do it all throughout the first part of the year. And they're swapping recipes. Good Lord. They're making chocolate chip cookies out of cauliflower. Folks, you missed the point. You missed the point. Not, not only... Does everybody know what you're doing? You're trying to get out of the reason for what you're doing. Amen. So again, why does God want us to fast? He wants us to fast to draw closer to Him. He wants us to draw close to Him through prayer. We're going to talk about that next week. Because fasting and prayer go hand in hand together. But here's what I, I just want you to get this in your heart and in your mind today. Fasting is not an ordinance of the church, like communion or baptism. But rather, it's a private matter that the Lord expects His disciples to do. And the great thing about having the Holy Spirit on the inside of us is He, he does lead us. I would hope that sometime throughout this year, there be times and seasons in your life that 
you know, you'd make a choice to fast. I'm going to be honest with you. Me personally, never ever make a big life-changing decision. A job change, a relocation, moving churches, anything like that. Anything that's going to alter your life that's a big decision. Your flesh may be saying, yes, raise. God may be saying, stay there. It may take a fast for you to really break through and hear the voice of the Lord clearly. God wants us to humble ourselves. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to make a choice to include fasting in your lifestyle at some point. Listen, you say, Pastor, I can't, I can't, I can't do no one day, two day, three day. Okay, I get that. You probably can do a meal. Just do something and substitute that time for prayer and really pray and seek the heart of God. And God will honor you. God will bless you. And let me tell you something. You never go wrong giving more time to the Lord. Never, ever, ever, ever go wrong giving the Lord more time. Here's what I believe. As you choose to draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Amen. I want everybody, let's stand on our feet.